0: So, during the summer, uh, maybe your summer hasn't been this way, but mine has, and I feel like as a church, there's, there's a lot of people kind of coming and going in the summer, uh, and so we try to accommodate our uh, church life uh, for that, and one of the ways we're doing that is we're doing a mini-series on Jesus, Friend of Sinners, so if you were here two weeks ago, we started that. It was in Luke 7, um, two weeks later, we're, we're picking up where we left off, but When you think of Jesus, uh, do you think of him as a friend of sinners? And what I mean by that is is here's a a very practical litmus test. Um, This week, this past week, when you missed the mark and you did not do something that you know you should have done, or you did did do something that you know you shouldn't have done, whenever you missed the mark this last week, uh, was your reaction to go straight to Jesus Or to avoid him? Did you deal with that mistake, take that habit uh, straight to Jesus, or did you just kind of let it slide? Maybe you felt bad, vowed to do better internally, vowed to do better next time, but didn't have any uh, interaction with God, any conversational relationship with God over it. Um, However, we think of Jesus, it, it shows up in our lives. This is incredibly practical. And so, what's so ironic about this title for Jesus, Friend of Sinners, we saw this two weeks ago, it was meant as an insult. Uh, The enemies of Jesus called him, uh, he's, he's a drunkard and a glutton, and then they said, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So they meant it as an insult, but there's a whole lot of truth in that insult. And Jesus said, wisdom is proved right by all of her children. That's where we ended last time. And so, uh, I, I want us to continue in this same passage, and, and next week we'll, we'll kind of end this mini-series mini also in Luke um, and what Jesus says about being a friend of sinners. But I, I just want us to continue to unpack how is it that Jesus befriends sinners? Exactly what's that look like, his friendship that he offers towards sinners? Because let's, let's just get this clear. I said this two weeks ago, but Jesus is a friend of sinners, but he is not chummy with sin. Right. He's not just like, oh, okay, you know, that's fine. (laughs) That's not his approach, but he is a friend of sinners. So let's look at Luke 7, 36 through 50. Again, this is this is like part B. This is picking up where we left off. And I know it was two weeks ago and I've been a lot of places since then. And you've been a lot of places since then. But let's just read this passage together and and unpack it and see uh, what God has for us here. Luke 7, beginning in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at his table. A woman in that town who'd lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind Jesus at his feet, she was weeping, and she began to wet Jesus' feet with her tears. And she wiped Those tears and wiped his feet with her hair, kissed his feet, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee, who had invited Jesus over to this dinner party, saw this happening, the Pharisee said to himself, If Jesus were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And Simon seems to politely say, Tell me, teacher. And Jesus said, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed that moneylender 500 denarii, and the other one only owed him 50. Neither of them had the money to pay back the moneylender, so the moneylender forgave the debts of both of them. Now, which of them will love the moneylender more? Jesus asked, and Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests, the other dinner party guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And so last two weeks ago, last time we we noted that Jesus friend of sinners, it, it often, I think always, I haven't found a passage that, that isn't this way, but Whenever Jesus is accused of being a friend of sinners, it's a contrast that's going on. Pharisee and publicly known person whose sin is, you know, like, that's their, that's their identifying mark. So the Pharisee is like, uh, I'm, just to help us bring it into today, like, awesome preacher dude, right? Like, awesome pastor, super sacred holy guy who, who we look at with great respect. We, lots of people think they're close to God. Sinner, uh, sex offender. You can look them up online, right? Their sin has gone before them. And so just to kind of, I think we need to feel this a little bit to really understand what's happening here. And again, Jesus is not chummy towards sin. And just because someone's a pastor doesn't mean they're, they're a Pharisee. But I'm just trying to pull, I'm just trying to pull our emotions in to feel a little bit of what they would have felt at this dinner party. And we're going to see four ways that Jesus is in fact a friend of sinners. Four, four ways that this, this phrase is, is provided some clarity in this passage. So w- when we refer to Jesus as a friend of sinners, he- here's what we should mean biblically. The, the first way that we see in this passage that Jesus befriends sinners is that he knows fully and he loves fully. So when the Pharisee, who had invited Jesus, saw the way that Jesus let this woman uh, adorn him with affection, uh, you know, he made a judgment. Like, if this guy was a prophet, <laughs> he, he, he is, he's assuming the best about Jesus. He's assuming Jesus doesn't know, but he's saying, even if this, even if Jesus doesn't know this woman, if he was a prophet, God would reveal to him how awful she is. Uh, that she's a sinner. And, uh, Jesus does know her fully and loves her fully. And Jesus also knows the pride in the Pharisee's heart before he invited him over for dinner. But he cared enough for his well-being, not just to go eat with him, but he also used this opportunity to invite him to change. Jesus knows each of these characters fully and he loves them fully. So when that comes to us, Like, it doesn't matter who you are, how long you've been going to church, how long you've been walking with Jesus. You need to know that he loves you fully and he knows you fully. And so a very practical application of that is uh, the sin in your life. What are you doing with that? Are you acting like he knows you fully? He knows that and that he loves you fully. He wants you to deal with that. He wants you to confess that to him And appropriately to other people around you. God knows us fully and yet he's incredibly patient and he loves us fully. So uh, just one, there's many applications, but one practical application is confess your sin. Find a trusted friend, confess it to God and confess it to other people. A second way that Jesus is a friend of sinners is he, he just really clearly tells us how love works in verses 40 to 43, uh, and he uses the story of the moneylender to do that. Uh, this lo- Love is a big and beautiful concept, so it's more than just forgiveness, but but this is an important part. And so in, in verses 40 to 43, he tells the story of the moneylender, and, uh, and Simon judges rightly that it is the one who's been forgiven much, who loves much. And so when it comes to our lives, again, this is a very easy text to apply. Is uh, what are we, how, do we, how do we look at our lives? How do we look at God's forgiveness? It's very easy the longer we walk with Jesus to take for granted uh, his forgiveness in the past, his, his forgiveness in the, fu- in, in, in the present, and his patience with us as we move forward in the future. So I'd encourage you this week, even today, as we continue worshiping, just to think about how much you've been forgiven by God. And this is not a, hey, go go to the corner, go to the dark corner of your heart and of your life and, and just sit there for a while. Think about all that you've done. That's not the invitation. The invitation is let the light of Christ come into the dark corners of your heart, into the dark corners of your life, and let him shine. This is training, this is, This is part of our training for godliness. We want to become like Jesus. So when we do this, when we grow in this, we realize because we're connected to our own sin, we realize there's no one that's too far gone. If they still have breath in their lungs, they're not too far gone because we're experiencing the forgiving, the gracious hand of God in our own lives. We can look at people the way that God does. There's no one too far gone who sinned too much. Now, sin does have consequences. And so, again, don't, don't think no matter what they've done, they can do anything. Right? In the future. There are consequences to our choices. But what we're focusing on today is uh, my own tendency is to forget God's forgiveness. Forget that there is no one too far gone. And to just kind of surround myself with people like me (laughs) and, uh, you know, uh, just be okay with that. Jesus didn't do that. So as we remember God's forgiveness for us, we can pray for and pursue other people. And your pursuit and your prayer doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be present. So as an example, a few weeks ago, I had a conversation with an unbelieving family member. And honestly, I don't think I did a great job. But at the end, I threw out, uh, hey, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And, uh, you know, it wasn't perfect. I'll just tell you that. I I didn't engage all of his comments as well as I would like to in hindsight. But it was present. I was praying ahead of time. And I pursued him. And uh, I trust that God's going to use that to grow me. and, And make me more ready next time. Let's look at what happens next. We're up to verse 44 in the story. This is very interesting. Jesus is talking to Simon, but he's looking at the woman. Okay, verse 44, I'm going to read it again. Jesus turned toward the woman, but said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. Still turning towards the woman, but talking to him. And he's just unpacking what happened in front of everybody. He's just repeating it. But in verse 47, he says, and he's, and he's using this as a way of like bringing that money lender story into real life. She's the one who's been forgiven much. And, and you see it by how she treats me. She hasn't earned her forgiveness, but her actions have shown something that's changed. She's been forgiven. Her great love has shown that. But whoever loves little, it's because, it, it, you know, whoever's been forgiven little loves little. And so Simon understood the story, and then he was connected to the real life example. What Jesus is doing by looking at uh, the woman, turning towards the woman and saying to Simon, is, he's, 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 he's saying, look, Simon, you're a sinner too. And so the third way in in this passage is the third way we see Jesus as a friend of sinners. His love changes us. His love changed that woman. And he's inviting Simon. Hey, it can change you too. So if you follow Jesus for a long time and you are in a rut or you've been in a rut for a long time, and uh, what I mean by that is like your, your life just really isn't, changing you're not conforming into the image of christ uh and maybe you're just getting tired uh just go back to jesus's love for you just stay connected to jesus's love for you how it has changed you and keep asking and keep letting other people in your life ask you the question how is it changing you currently because when jesus is a friend of sinners those sinners don't say they don't stay the same when they're in a friendship with Jesus. He does, he does violence to the sin in our life by his love. It is his kindness that leads us to repentance. The fourth and final way that we see in this passage, Jesus' relationship as a friend of sinners is the future freedom that he offers. In, in this passage, he says to the woman, he looks at her and says, go in peace. And other times he says, sin no more in in situations like this. It's the same idea. You are invited not just to be forgiven, but for this love to change you as you move forward. It's a life of ongoing change, ongoing transformation. Jesus is inviting her, inviting us as his followers into a new future, one markedly different than the old troubled path. And this is not an easy road. It's just a better one. It's not an easy life. It's just a good life. Good as God defines it. And I think uh, as she moved forward, she continued to mess up, but she would fess up and continue to move on because she could recall that time Jesus looked her in the face and said, your sins are forgiven. And so for us, this, this means... We should not expect perfection in this life. We should expect ongoing direction. And ongoing direction means there's ongoing course correction as well. We go in the direction of Jesus. He's the perfect one, we're not. It's a, the, the Christian life, faithfulness is about direction, not perfection. So I, I want to end by showing how this story is connected to the gospel. When the, when the dinner guests ask the question, who is this man who even forgives sins? They're asking the question, how could Jesus forgive debts? And the answer is he's the money lender. And you know how money works. <laughs> Debt isn't just thrown away. It's not just torn up. It has to be paid. And he paid for it. Because, and he could pay for it because the Pharisee wasn't the best person, the most righteous person in the room. Jesus was. And by giving up his life on the cross, he paid the penalty. And if you're here today and you've never accepted his sacrifice on your behalf, um, you can. You can change your mind about living life your way, choose to live life God's way, about following you or following anyone, anything else, as your leader choose to follow Jesus accept his sacrifice and here's i think here's the best part of the good news Jesus didn't just die for your sins he lived so that you could have life with him he rose back to life so you're not following a dead man you're following someone who is alive and well so if you're his friend are you a friend of sinners as he are you growing into being a friend of sinners like Jesus was, not chummy with sin, but friend with the sinner, offering them new life. And if you're not Jesus's friend today, why not? Like, you don't have to be. I'm not trying to twist anyone's arm, but why not? Answer the question. Like, just get clarity around that for yourself. So let's pray. Let's just talk to God. Lord, there is a lot of reasons uh, why people, um, that, well, they've been hurt. <laughs> uh, that's why not, why, why they haven't chosen to follow you or why they're stuck, why they struggle with that, this idea of your love, your incredible love for them. Um, so would you do what only you can do and uh, uh, connect us to your love? Your word says that the Holy Spirit pours out your love into our hearts. And we need that. To remember who you are, who we are, and to live the lives you've called us to live. Take some time now to just confess your sin to God. Uh, Give Jesus the opportunity to be your friend. (laughs) And Lord, we, we expect you to move, not just Sunday morning. Uh, we expect you to move throughout our lives. Uh, so help us to be sensitive and quick to repent, uh, quick to trust you again, and uh, eager to talk to you about the things that we struggle with and, um, and the things that we think we know exactly what we're doing. keep keep using this time to talk with God as the worship team comes up